Today on Let's Talk VoiceOver, we're talking GDC, the Game Developers Conference. Hang on tight. Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk. GDC, the Game Developers Conference. The good, the bad, and the ugly. For those who are not familiar with GDC, it was originally hosted in 1988 in San Jose in Chris Crawford's living room. 27 people attended. The next year, it moved to the Holiday Inn, that's stylish, in Milpitas, and had 125 developers show up. By 2005, GDC moved to the new Moscone Center West in the heart of San Francisco, and they had over 12 thousand attendees. GDC actually returned to San Jose in 2006, and that was the last time that San Jose would see GDC, as it returned to San Francisco in 2007 and has been there ever since. This year's GDC had an estimated attendance of over 28,000 people. So, as a voiceover person, how important is GDC? Our own Randy Ryan went this year, as he does every year. So let's talk voiceover, the GDC edition. Randy Ryan. BT, how are things? Things aren't fine, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> how was GDC? Now, I know I know we're, we're a little bit removed, but how was this year's GDC, my friend? Well, you know, GDC for me is the one thing that I feel that I must do every year. E3 is important because of all the people that congregate. But in some ways, I feel like I can skip E3. Um, you know, other shows I don't even generally attend. The real one that needs to be attended is GDC. And the reason for me that's the case is because like E3, everybody kind of descends on it, but it's far more collegial. You have fewer marketing type folks and you have more creatives. And I think for voice actors... I see a lot of voice actors who go to GDC, and now they don't necessarily buy a pass. Right. Because especially in San Francisco, there is so much activity that goes on in and around the conference, but not necessarily inside Moscone. For people in L.A., it's a, you know, a five-hour drive. There is a good contingent of voice actors that are in the Bay Area already, so it becomes kind of easy for them. But I do see people who fly out there every year. Um, D.B. Cooper uh, is somebody who comes from the East Coast. They find that that personal networking reaps dividends for them. It's not you're not going to go there and you're not going to someone's going to say, "Oh my gosh, you came to GDC. I'm casting you for this." It's like no, but but you sure. get on people's radar in a very different way than if you're just doing the typical marketing stuff and sending things out, um, and you just get to the opportunity to meet so many people in a pretty non-threatening environment. Now, to be clear, this is voiceover specifically targeted towards video games. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it is the Game Developers Conference and there's nobody. There you go. Yeah. Right. So, but it is. Yeah. So if you're a commercial voiceover, it's probably not going to do you much good. Right. But listen, because it's still a fun episode. <laughs> <laughs> and it is that. Okay. So uh, while you were there, you got some interview clips from some voice actors. Yep. Uh, who did you get a chance to talk with? Well, I got a chance to talk with a whole lot of people. Eric Bra and J.S. Gilbert, D.B. Cooper, as I mentioned earlier, a whole host of other people as well. Andrea Toyas, who 
just is always a treat to be around. And delightful. Yep. And uh, and of course there, there were other voice actors there, um, which I didn't necessarily have the opportunity to record. But it's not like you're going to go as a voice actor and all of a sudden um, you're going to necessarily see you know a hundred of your of your closest kin. But there was, for instance, a gathering the day before GDC technically kicked off, and it was for audio people. And so there were a number of voice actors there, but there were also composers and engineers and audio producers. And again, if you're a voice actor, to be in and around something like that, you get the opportunity to meet people who might cast you later on. And if nothing else, they become entrees into specific companies. As a voice actor, if you do something like that, don't go in with a heavy sales mentality. Go in truly to be collegial and just be interested in people and find out what's going on. And it just down the road, I think it just it just really does pay dividends. You want to know what it's like to be at GDC? We're going to hop into a conversation between Randy, J.S. Gilbert and Eric Bra. Okay, so we're all out here for GDC. You guys live here. And uh, by the way, J.S. Gilbert and Eric Bra. And we're waiting for a whole bunch of people to descend on us because they're going <laughs> it's to. It's going to be massive. It's GDC it'll, be, it'll be absolutely incredible. Right. And uh, the, the thing that I'm uh, very glad about is the three of us will probably be the only ones who took a shower today. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I did take a shower. I had a meeting. I had to take a shower. It's, uh, you know how audio engineers are. <laughs> yeah. If you put their dinner like three inches to the left or the right, they'll starve. <laughs> and, and they work. Uh, they work so many hours uh, on their audio and stuff that uh, the way they get ready in the morning is they just uh, reach on the floor for a shirt, and sniff the armpits, and whichever one uh, doesn't smell the worst, that's the one. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I say that with love. You were GDC last. Well, you've gone a couple of times. I go. The I go just parties. about every year. As a matter of fact, I used to work in games, so for me, it's well, that's like, right because you were the tester. You're yeah. Tester, so, yeah. so I've been going to GDC since a very long time ago. That's for sure. Since it was down in San Jose. Uh, I've been there to the San Jose one. Yeah. yeah, I've been going since real early days too. I was allegedly. They say I'm one of the first 25 guys to have his voice on a video game. That could be. So I don't know. Could be. Yeah, somebody called Guinness. <laughs> yeah right. So you've seen it. You've seen it change. I mean, better, worse, mix. Uh, when I started, it was really interesting. Um, what's his name over uh, um, at? Uh, I love what's his name. That guy. <laughs> what's is the his bomb. name? The guy with the you know that. What's happened Thank is this: I was once a young guy in the gaming industry, and now I'm an old guy in the gaming industry. Right. Here, we'll do cheers. Oh, cheers. Now you don't even know what industry you're in. This is, wait, <laughs> is that, will that pick up the clinking of glasses? I guess we'll find out later. Uh, you'll have to drop that in. So, uh, but the way it used to be was you would go into a place, and they had the ubiquitous uh, green Naugahyde couch that, had, that was from somebody's father's, you know, rumpus room or something. It had uh, vinyl tape all over it. Oh, yeah. And uh, you'd go in, and uh, there'd be these wacky people, and uh, they uh, they would say, okay, uh, just move the pizza boxes out of the way and have a seat. And then you would go in, and you would record, and uh, it was just... Uh, it was it was crazy. But, but you didn't have... The, the things that drove the industry were different. It was before, like, Sony. It was before all that mm-hmm. stuff. There were, there were probably in the Bay Area... 
a thousand small production houses. We had um, in the in the ninety three or ninety four a directory that was called the Northern California Guide to Interactive Media, mm-hmm. and I picked that thing up and I started calling people from it and I would say, "Hey, by any chance would you be interested in somebody who understands nonlinear audio?" Yeah. My first digital editor was called SAW. Oh, yeah. I remember. Recording. They had yep, two yep, modules, yep. one yep. for recording and one that did four-track mm-hmm. mixing. Yep. And the software alone, which you ran on like an old 80286 or 386, like the old IBMs, that software was like two grand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it did nothing. Well, no, and you had to have a dedicated machine. Yeah, yeah, basically. It was cutting edge of the time, though, yeah? It was. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) But it was so cool. It was, you know, better than the tape. But that's the other... So so people said... I came in at the tail end of tape, and what was really cool was the requirement for that was if you could actually be uh, uh, eloquent and do a commercial in 29 and a half or 59 and a half seconds. Right. So that was the big thing. Now they could care less. You bring people in that can, you know, they could sound like a... Talking like a teacher from uh, uh, Charlie Brown. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then you just push the buttons and the dials and all. Which is why I'm surprised I'm still do- doing monster voices when they've got Dehumanizer out there now. Well, yeah, but, right. But you know, even with Dehumanizer, because I played with it, I you know I I don't really typically use that because the clients I have that will do that are like, I will take care of all the processing on that, which is fine. Um, but you still have to have a performance. And yeah, you can mess with the voice, but you would be surprised at how at how much you would how much you would if you don't even if you're going to completely mangle the voice, if you don't have that person doing a really good performance, you're going to end up with something that just sounds like a machine. It has to be a good performance. And what are you you going for anyway? You know, why why does why does it need to speak a language? You know, and you'd be fine. Well, yeah, or you could just take one hour classes and learning how to speak modern Klingon. (laughs) Duolingo, it's free. You know, Duolingo actually it's now a language on Duolingo. Klingon, I'm I kid you not. Which Klingon or modern Klingon? Because apparently there's a difference. Oh well, I I was told there was a difference. I I speak old Klingon. Oh well, see, well that's the thing. You know, I'm already up to fourteen languages on Duolingo, so I've maxed out, so I don't know. Oh, man. I'm sorry. Someday I'm going to tell all the secrets. Somewhere in my basement, I'm sure, I've not only got computers from the 90s, but probably the guys who helped design them (laughs) in my basement somewhere. So you're a voice actor? Well, I don't tell people that, but yeah. He's legendary. What's your main thing? Is that your main thing? What is my main thing? I don't. I have no idea what my main thing is. I don't know because you're in thousands of games. I'm sort of a has been, but you know, uh, Sweet Tooth as well. Well, I Sweet Tooth, out. yeah, that always comes to mind. Sweet Tooth, you know, oh, the you Twisted Metal series, so oh, PlayStation, right. yeah, the ice cream truck that was like a crazy, insane clown. Yeah, that yeah. was him. Since the Old boys and girls. <laughs> <laughs> crazy, that's awesome. I got a funny story to tell you about Eric last night. <laughs> no, this is good funny. This is okay. start. You know, so Eric does all these voices for League of Legends. So Nico's kids, uh, his oldest son Jasper, uh, that's one of his games that he plays. He's brilliant at League of Legends. Oh, yeah. yeah. So he came over to the table oh. and sat down, and I was like, welcome to the League of Draven. And he goes, 
It just sort of sat there for a second. Well, what he did is he is, How old is he? Well, he's he's I got to be cool age. He's 18, yeah. 17 or 18. Oh, so yeah. so he walked away for a second like, yeah, that didn't affect me. And then suddenly this kid who'd been holed up in his bedroom for the entire day sat down at the table and would not leave. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> You know what? There's the thing that 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 I'm upset about. I don't know what your relationship is. What happened was about five years ago. This um, I was getting inundated from people saying, you know, can you do this? Can you do that? Can Mm -hmm. you sign this? Can you sign that? Yeah. Well, you make voicemail. You know, for and one of the characters I do is this Mundo on on League, Mm -hmm. and Mundo is his signature line is Mundo goes where Mundo pleases. And so I did this ringtone, like 60 seconds. Yeah, but you put it up on YouTube, MP3. so anybody can take it. MP3, and it was just like, <laughs> Mundo, go, yeah. And it was just the whole, answer your phone, Mundo is, go, you know, whatever. And, and just like, have fun, whatever. Uh, Mundo's trying to call you right now. And it was like, yeah. it was funny. It was, it and it was got really like, funny. And it got like 10 million downloads in a month or something. <laughs> yeah, it was right I didn't off the charge bat. for it. It was all free. It was no big deal. But and, then they... Called and told us all we had to sign another NDA. Oh, way to go. There's the thing. You or you could go and you could do that. You could do an impersonation of right, me doing of Mundo of all day long, but I can't do it. Right. And so it's like, it's it's sad because you get the gamers contact you and it's like, I would love to, you know, interview you. I'd love to do this. I'd love to do that. If I was going to go to a con, because people will, ask, they'll ask, you know, they'll yeah. ask. Should you yeah. say fans, something? Well, fans, fans do it all the time. Yeah, no. Right, when I when I go to the cons w- and like signed autographs, you yeah. know, tell me Draven hates you or something, I'll be like, Draven hates you. <laughs> you know, and like I'll just do it real fast. But Have you had your own booth at a con? Yeah, they, well, th- there was one called Summoners Con, and uh, some of the other voice actors had done it the first year or whatever, and they were like, yeah, it was really fun, and I was like, well, I didn't get a call, so I guess it doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, and then. Uh, and then actually, they did reach out to me, and they were like, "Would you like to come to one?" And I was like, "Absolutely, sure." I mean, you know, you, as long as you cover travel and all that, I'm fine. And they were like, "Okay." So they flew me down and got me there and all that stuff, and then they gave me a little booth. The problem I had was uh, I, I got asked to go speak mm-hmm. at a college mm-hmm. about you know doing voiceover, mm-hmm. and of course, when I get there, I realized this was just like a glorified. Almost League of Legends uh, thing. I thought they wanted to hear what it was like being a voice actor and all that kind of. They stuff. just wanted to hear Mundo. No, all they wanted to hear, they wanted to hear all the different characters. They not only wanted me to do the ones I do, but they wanted me to do like his characters. Right. And it, what would it be like if you did Draven? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you see, here's the thing: they're committed to the fans. We probably do more for them for PR and stuff than we're paid. Yeah. That's the other thing. Do you get, like, these cats that, you know, when you go and you're at Comic-Cons and stuff, do they think you get paid hundreds of thousands of dollars? Oh, yeah. For, yeah. yeah, exactly. People think you get paid a lot of money for doing these game characters, and you're like, no, I got paid when I did the session and then never a penny again. Right. <laughs> Only now are we starting to get stuff from, like, World of Warcraft and stuff like that, like, where you'll get these ongoing and they, a little bit more They refresh on. the voices every couple of years for me with the new skins and things or whatever. I, I had know. done new skins and stuff of Draven, and I did one update, but yeah. but that's it. Most of them... Yeah, exactly. You actually do the one that looks like me, right? Yeah. Oh, Gragas. Or whatever. Gragas. Gragas. It's the funniest thing. One of the characters he looks exactly. It looks exactly. And then he carries these barrels around. He rolls them at people, and they're like, "And Gragas talks like this. Ah, what are you doing? I'm an angry Scotsman." You do a voice very similar to that for uh, oh for for, uh, Lotro for Lotro, yeah. yeah. 
I didn't make it dwarfs. in that one, did I? It's yeah, but it's, uh, Did I do yeah. some, like, rando characters in that, or am uh-uh. I just not at all? Yeah, not at all. No, because what happens is, is, and they did just go through another round of hiring new actors, but basically the, the beautiful thing about Lotro is you get in, and if you get one of these semi-main characters, it's like, maybe not... They do expansions kind oh, of quarterly. So I'm, once done, a year. Am I done with Turbine? No, you just did one. Once to four well, times a year. You're done with Turbine because Turbine does not do Oh, that's anymore. right. Well, there's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of hopping around. Not me. I um, just come buy beers for a few people. In the garden. That's it. This stuff here is because I really dig everybody. Right. And I, like a lot of people, were here in the Bay Area because mm-hmm. this was where it was born. Right. right. Brian, I'm curious because I know you, you used to go... Um, not only as a voice actor, but also as when you were working for VMC, which does game testing and QA and things like that. Yeah. And you and I, I think I started going a year or two before you, but you and I obviously went to several. We went together inst- a, yeah. a couple of times. Yeah, yeah we did. Absolutely. In fact, we were at the San Jose the year before it went to Moscone. So that must have been what, 2005? Yeah, it sounds about right. 2004, 2005, something like that. Yeah. Now that was interesting. I mean, I've been, I, obviously I've been to it in San Francisco as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been to it as a voice talent. I've been to it as a talent director and I've been to it as a marketing person for game services. Mm-hmm. And so it's unique and different from each perspective, obviously. And having something to compare and contrast between the San Francisco and the San Jose days were very interesting as well. Mm -hmm. The one thing that really stands out about San Jose was the pit. Yep. Absolutely. Oh, the pit. (laughs) Well, and you want to talk about networking. I mean, yeah, it was a little crazy. And I think we've mentioned this elsewhere. But for those that don't know, the pit was in the – it's not called the pit. Everybody just called it that. We called it the pit. It was the Fairmont Hotel, which is the primary hotel that that hosted the attendees. Mm -hmm. And it was literally across the street from the convention center. Mm -hmm. Yep. What would you say? Two thousand people could get down in it, it's it, it's the it's the lobby of the hotel, but it's, it was yeah it was the hotel lobby and it was really cool because you walked in. Of course, there was the concierge part and the check in and all. But then the entire lobby, which was very large, oh yeah, was there, and then it had a sunk in area, and hence the name, the pit. And it was really nice because there were three or four bars set up in the corners, and so you could have. Quick and easy access, right? Well, relatively and it was quick. A, it was the <laughs> gathering place. Right, because there was nowhere else to go. who went to the event. Absolutely. And, of course, San Jose Nightlife, at least at that time, yeah, left a little to be desired. Right. So, <laughs> if you were at GDC for the event, that was merely an extension of your day. In fact, there were a lot of people who would pretty much blow off most of the day and stay in the pit until three or four in the morning. Yep. And that's where business got done. It was. And the other thing that was so wonderful about it, it was forced networking. You didn't chase anybody down. For that matter, you didn't even know who you were going to run into. And because right. it was, there were so many people and it was, you know, and, and there was alcohol and, um, <laughs> maybe in a little more quantity than there should have been but so you could be talking to you know to a big wig at at microsoft game studios or uh at ea or whatever and and eh, maybe this person isn't going to necessarily advance your career depending on what you're doing but 
the opportunity to talk to them and their willingness to have a conversation with you was just fantastic. And I well, it was true relationship building. Absolutely. You know? and, it, and it really gave you that opportunity. I think that is a really big part of being a successful voiceover person is being able to build relationships. Yep. And it's not just with audio directors, just with casting people, just with anyone. It's with everyone. It is. Because you never know where a referral or a bump or an introduction or any of that's going to come from. Mm -hmm. Right. So relationship building is so critical that's what I really enjoyed about San Jose and what I really missed when we went to the ridiculously sized Moscone Center and the fact that the event was now housed in you know three primary hotels and about a dozen additional hotels if not in, more in the area. And some of them were as far as a mile or two away. Mm -hmm. There was an intimacy, I guess, with San Jose that went away when it moved to San Francisco. However, San Francisco allowed it to grow right. from where it had pretty well maxed out at around the 10,000-ish mark, yeah. maybe a little more than that, to go up to almost 30,000 now. Yeah, I think that's the way you kind of have to look at it. I know that there are a lot of people that, that lament the, you know, call it the good old days or whatever. The good old days? Yeah, but, now we're sounding old. Well, but 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 that's not my point of view. I was in GGC before you were out of high school. Well, I was. Hell, high school, <laughs> elementary school, some people. But, right. Yeah. No, um, but but you know, but but all these things, and, and, and that's and that is it, right? So I think it's a I think it's a different kind of conference now. It's certainly not a conference for everybody. But if you are in games, if you have that diehard passion to get more into games. There's a lot you can learn, and it's not necessarily by going to the sessions. Right. It's by networking, hanging out, hooking on to people, being introduced to other people, and truly trying to network and foster relationship building. And yeah. I think that that's an essential part of not only GDC, but any conference you go to. Mm -hmm. It's about building those face-to-face -face relationships, and that's what builds your voice business. 100% agree. You know, and I do think that for some people, the lectures and the and the conference can be valuable, especially if you have not had a lot of experience in games. Then sure. I think it then that's six hundred bucks for an audio pass well spent. But if you have been in for a long time or you're not wanting to know more about some of the the technical aspects, uh, even the performance technical aspects, I still recommend going and getting an expo pass. The value is not necessarily so much the ability to walk around the expo floor, although that does have value. It's you have a name around your neck. You have that badge on there and it tells you who you are. You belong. Absolutely. Yeah. And you belong to the event. Sure. Absolutely. And that is worth the 150-ish bucks or, well, you know, 160, whatever it is that, that you spend for it. Um, there are people that go that do not buy a pass at all, like I said, and hang around the fringes. And you can do that too. But um, I think that that name badge is a really big it opens doors we interrupt this regularly scheduled program to bring you the following a conversation with randy and the legendary db cooper so i've been here for 17 to 18 years okay you know i think i've missed one you have been coming at least that long, if not longer. Actually, no. I started, my first uh, GDC was on George Sanger's 
recommendation. Okay. Um, after doing a video game, after doing my first pro game with George. Really? Yeah. And saying, hey, uh, should I go to E3 or should I go to GDC? And he said, you really should go to GDC. Was it still in San Jose then? It was in San Jose for the last time. It was uh, 2006. Okay. So, yep. All right. Yeah. Okay. I don't think I met you until that Austin GDC. It wasn't. It was. It was the Austin GDC. Yeah, with with the Iron Composer competition. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but I knew who you were. I just had never met you. Ah. So. Yeah. Well, I met you then. The Austin GDC. I miss it so much. Yeah. I miss that. I miss that group and that conference. I more than I can tell you because that was the one that gave me a chance to make the friends that I've had for the rest of my life so far. Mm -hmm. I mean, there, the very first GDC in 2006 was still small enough. Yeah. I mean, there were like five girls there. You know, I mean... Yeah, it was, oh, it was, no kidding. Yeah. The, the, the gender change that has happened over time has Unbelievable. been... Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was all white, nerdy boys. Yeah, pretty much. There was a wonderful, jolly camaraderie. Yeah. Which you can't really get here. I mean, we try and do as much of it as we can. You can, but it's, you know, once it's... So huge. Right. Once it moved to San Francisco permanently, yeah, the first year people more or less congregated at the W, but regards to GDC, um, you know, it just went, once it got, once it got to San Francisco, it only took about a year or so for people to start to scatter because yeah. it's San Francisco yeah. and people can go do things and they don't have to go to the show. Yeah, you speak at GDC a lot, okay? The things that they don't really accept, or at least that they do, I don't see them, are high level, you've been doing this for a long time, senior talks. Mm. It is how to up your unity game. Yeah. Um, how, you know, th these are the kinds of things they accept. Um, you know, how to break into bleh, you know. Um, Monetizing your indie game. Right, exactly, stuff like that. And I understand there's an audience for that. I understand that these people will pay money and pay tickets. But for people like you and me, buying anything above an expo pass is, if they'll give it to you, that's one thing. But buying anything above an expo pass is a waste of money. Because there's nothing, it's like nothing to see here. There will be those one or two talks. I would love to have seen some of the things that you gave. The problem is, is that that's the only talk I would have wanted to see. And I'm not going to spend 600 bucks to go see that. I don't know that what GDC is doing is wrong, but that's that's what I see as a major change. It used to not be that way, like you said. Correct. I mean, it used to be real snooty. Absolutely. Which maybe is not the best thing either, but... Will Locanto said, mm -hmm. The thing about GDC is if you miss one, people wonder where you are. And if you miss two... They forget who you are. Yeah. Yeah. They assume you're out of your out of the business. Right. Yeah. No, I think that's probably true. With you being a woman in this industry, what do you see? What I mean, the Chavis there have been more women. What are the changes that you see? What are the things that, from your perspective, that is different about GDC now? Good, bad, otherwise. The GDC in um, San Francisco is a little more um, <clears throat> anonymous. Because there are so many people, and and, and even when it was kind of Bleaksville, um, I at least knew most of the audio guys as we kind of huddled in our little end of the <laughs> end of the upper part of South. It, it's more and more overwhelming every year in terms of the n sheer number of people. In terms of being a woman associated with voice acting, voice directing, voice casting. GDC is not necessarily terribly fun of actors. Mm -hmm. 
and it's historically been like that. Mm -hmm. They're they're don't court them and kind of actively discourage. Mm -hmm. Talks about VO or a pain in the neck. Mm -hmm. The thing I liked about the Austin GDC is that it was more art heavy, mm -hmm. art writing sound. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There were also things that were very distinctly, you know, science. Um, but it was more about, you know, our process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's one of the things that even as long as I've been doing this, and even as important as voiceover has become, I mean, if audio is the stepchild of, um, of game development, uh, voiceover is the bastard stepchild bastard. of audio. Yeah. It's the, it's the bastard, it's the, it's the unfortunate bastard yeah. offspring. And I'm still not sure why. That's the thing that I just don't understand. Why can we not put that in there? I don't know. That should be part of the part of the program. Yes. It's too bad that somebody hasn't suggested that as a, as a talk, but I don't know if they have or have not. I mean, there is an audio track. The audio track is, has always been a distinctly separate animal from the rest of the kind, mm -hmm. which is interesting. I haven't gone in uh, probably the last four or five years. Has it really been that long? Um, wow. But you go every year, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I do. I think I missed why, one year. Why is it the must-attend event for you? Um, because the people that are there are my clients, essentially. It is producers, creative directors, project managers, programmers. It is also where, as I mentioned, a lot of talent is. So I'm kind of there to put it in cruder terms, as both buyer and seller. Yeah. So E3 was always about, you know, E3 is the one that gets the big bang, you know, that, that most people know because it's got... Yeah, but it's E3 a, is really a marketing event. It's, it's about a, game releases exactly. and new innovations. And it's more product related than it is service related, at least in my experiences. You're, I know you're, you're, you're spot on. So you don't get the collegiality that you do no. at GDC. Even companies that might look at one another as rivals, when there's you know, when it's when it's a a producer from company A and a producer from company B and they get together and they start talking shop, that kind of stuff goes away and they start speaking in that kind of level that you get um, and this happens not just in gaming. This happens in all industries. You know, you get you, sure. you kind of you get the worker bees talking to one another, and they share more in common than they have uh, anything that divides them. And well, yeah, because you have to have somebody who understands to be able to have the war story have value, right? right? That's true. <laughs> well, and also in that kind of environment, people get. I'm not saying they're giving away trade secrets, and I've, no, I've, I've, I'm not supposed to tell you this, but here's the game we're coming out with. Nobody really does that, or if they nobody do, does that, yeah, no. no. But but now stuff like, hey, so I'm working in Wise, and here's this problem that I've had. Yeah, well, I can tell you how to fix that, and it's the same thing with right. voice actors. Like, you know, I, I've I've just been having problems with my voice. Well, here's a good way to save it when you go into these sessions, and you know, this is the kind of stuff that transpires between your colleagues. Sure. I mean, even from my perspective, as both a director and as a composer, I can talk to people about all kinds of things, and they'll give me tips, and I can give them tips. And, and as you said, you've got war stories now, and you can just, you know, you're, you're talking the same game. Absolutely. How do you think GDC could be better? 
Well, I, I think that, you know, our conversation about the pit, um, I don't know how you create that. I mean, it's in San Francisco and it's in San Francisco for the long run. And the Yeah. And they tried to do that initially at the W Hotel. It's and not big the, enough. God, that turned into a mess. Well, it's not big enough, you know, and that's... <laughs> What ladies of the evening figured out that was a great place to be. And a <laughs> bunch saw... of non-industry people started hanging out there, and and it just, yeah, it's 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 very hard to recreate that intimacy and that networking. I mean, honest, genuine, and authentic networking opportunity. Well, in I in some place that's so big and. Between, you know, uh, the difference is it's between 30,000 people now instead of, you know, 5,000 or 6,000 or 8,000 when we were there. Right. Well, here's one thing that could be done. Um, This would take the GDC organizers, though. You've got three stories of Moscone. And they kind of make the second story a lunch area, but, but it's pretty spread out. That could be, if they were so inclined your new pit now you would you obviously would only be able to attend if you have a badge so it's not the same as the fairmont where if you want to go really on the cheap you just go wander over there you know after hours but with and stay at the holiday inn in milpitas yeah right exactly (laughs) (laughs) um but gdc could do something like that where like okay in the evenings this turns into a complete networking event now there there may be a lot of reasons they can't do that security for instance you know you're gonna have to pay people to be well and i gotta tell you from the vendor side every vendor who shows up needs to throw some sort of an event whether it's a private dinner for a dozen Mm-hmm. Or whether it's a Microsoft party for, you know, 6,000 people. Right. But that was happening in San Jose. You know, finding the time to be able to throw those kinds of events is huge. It's a logistical challenge from a vendor side. And I know that from working at a game testing company. Right. And, you know, that was our, our biggest event of the year. Mm-hmm. And we put a lot of money into it substantially. So if GDC was going to compete for time... That starts to eat away at the people that actually pay the money to, you know, be on the expo floor and uh, it helps really foster and pay for the event. Well, so, yeah, you, you know, I don't think there are any easy answers here. Well, that I we are in complete agreement on. I, the, my vision, so to speak, is more making a ripe environment where people can go as opposed to hosting an event. You know, that's what yeah. that's what the Fairmont pit was. It was just like. Wink, wink, nod, nod, everybody's going to the pit. Um, but it was there and it was available. And the Fairmont, I don't know whether the GDC did it on their own uh, or with, you know, in conjunction with the Fairmont or the Fairmont did it on their own. But the bottom line was that you know, the Fairmont took care of all the people there and made a lot of money. Yeah, I don't think they could have avoided having all the people gathering. So, <laughs> right, but they <laughs> might as well make if you got a situation, start making lemonade. Right. right? So maybe and then there mix would... it with vodka and you. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe there's something like that that could be done, where it's just like known that hey, and and you don't make it go till three and four in the morning because you just don't. But even if it's something like from seven to eleven. Every day, the second floor is open for, you know, cocktails, small bites, and uh, and just general networking. And there's no specific event that goes on with that. It's just, hey, we just make this available to you. Um, well, I think I'll make a phone call. <laughs> there you go. Hey, you know, Randy and I were talking, and we've decided. Oh, God, yeah. If you mention <laughs> both of us, I'm, that'll totally I'm sure get done. sure they'll be happy to take my call. <laughs> 
Oh, um, well, I mean, what do you think? Because it has not changed substantially from the last time you were there. Once it moved to San Francisco, it kind of became what it became within a couple of years. What sure. do you see about San Francisco that you think was better as a conference than being in San Jose? Well, it, it does allow for a lot more people to get engaged. And honestly, it needed to change because the industry has changed so dramatically. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember the first GDC I went to in San Jose, there were maybe a dozen women. Yo, yeah, I no mean, kidding. I might be exaggerating a little, but there probably were not, not a lot. There were not a lot. And they were not, and they <laughs> were know, not in and, positions. And every... The game, the, the 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 demographics of game developers back in 2005 was so dramatically different, right? Yeah. I mean, the majority of people were 35 and under. Yep. And probably 85 to 90 percent male over female, mm-hmm. right? And and, and white, then and all white that has shifted with a, with so a... dramatically over the past few years. It needs to be able to accommodate a much larger, much broader, and much more diverse audience mm-hmm. than where than where it was 15 years ago. That's still not where it needs to be, but you are seeing a lot more women in there. Um, you yep. are seeing more ethnic diversity, especially yep. uh, Asians. And that is one thing that, about coming to San Francisco is I think it was really – because this it really is a worldwide event. I mean I see – I have clients in, you know, in Europe – um, and sure. in Asia, and that's the that's the other thing. This is the one time I see him. I don't see him at E three necessarily, but they will be at GDC. And right. being in San Francisco has allowed for Japanese and Korean companies, for instance, to more you know it's it's easier to get into San Francisco. There's more lodging. They they can wait, although you shouldn't wait until the last minute because things do still fill up. But they can wait longer to make the decision, and and, and you know, in a month or six weeks out, go okay, we're gonna go. And they'll be able to find a place to stay and get a ticket and do all that kind of stuff. It's logistically more accommodating. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And so now they not only have access to us, we have access to them. Sure. Which is a good thing. Like I said, yep. as the game industry evolves, I think the conference necessarily needed to evolve. And I think it has. Mm-hmm. I think if that's the good, then the bad would probably be the lack of intimacy mm-hmm. and the fact that you almost need to plan out and pick your path. Oh, absolutely. Before you start, it's it's much harder to have the happenstance now oh, yeah. than it, it than is. it was before. No, you you absolutely that is one real difference is I remember I used to go and I would set up um, a few meetings and but the rest of the time I would either be at lectures or, you know, certainly in the pit and I would find all these people there. What changed when I went to San Francisco is after a year or so, I realized that no, at least for me, wall to wall meetings and you have to yeah. organize them and you have to set them up. And you also have to know that some of them will drop off at the last minute because you, you know, but literally I try not to start too early because I, I still do think that networking time in the evening, there still can be some happenstance things that, that occur there. But I'll still start maybe as early as 10.30 or 11 o'clock. Uh, I may be complaining loudly when I get out of bed that I'm going to have to, you know, get down to the general area because I don't necessarily stay in Market Street. Yeah. For some people, that's good. That's one thing that I've started doing is staying away from the conference because that gives me – again, it's a personal thing, but it gives me a chance – to kind of unplug a little bit. And yeah, a little time to clear your head. I mean, yeah. it is a whirlwind when you're there. So Absolutely. It, I think that's really essential. 
So if that's the good and the bad, and then <laughs> if we really want to get into the ugly, we can tell the story about when you spent GDC in your hotel room throwing up. Oh, God, I've got, yeah. <laughs> it yeah. was the flu. It wasn't drinking. It was the flu, no. I swear. Well, I was well, there. Honest- I know. Oh God, that was that. That is probably the sickest I have ever been anywhere at any time. That is the worst flu I've ever gotten. I remember dragging myself because you know one of the one of the lovely things about San Francisco is its propensity to be fifty five and raining, which this year that's pretty much what it was. It rained every day, and yeah. you know I've got a rain jacket which came in super handy, obviously, but I just it was just part of my apparel. But that year. I was there and I was staying in a hotel that shall not be named. That was an old boutique hotel that did not believe in things like heat. Because, well, in San Francisco, it's always 55. And, and I'm sorry, it was an old the- boutique hotel in 1855. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> and really not updated since. So there oh, you go. God. And so to be sick in that environment where your room is cold, um, there's really no recourse. And I just remember dragging myself up to a like an instant clinic or whatever, what do you call it? You know, a minor minor emergency clinic. The minute clinic, yeah. Oh God. And and of course, because it's San Francisco and they were towards Union Square, it was entirely uphill to get there, you know, and I'm already sick. (laughs) And it was like six blocks away. How do you have a city where everywhere you go is uphill? I don't know. Well, it was was downhill uh, on the way back. Has has managed to master that. Yeah. They they have. Oh, and I, and I got in there and literally, you know, the nurse took one look at me and said, "Oh my God, you poor thing. Do you want? Do you want to sleep?" And I'm and I didn't know. You know, I'm, I'm thinking she's just asking me, like in general, do I want to sleep? It's like, yes. And I don't know if she's going to give me something for it. And she's like, "We have a room here." And she and she put me in there and she brought blankets and she said, "We're you're fine. Sleep here as long as you want." And I probably was in there for an hour. <laughs> That's when you know you're sick. When the when the doctors go, yeah, we're gonna give you a place to sleep for a while. Just we're gonna close the door. Don't worry about it. And that was the nicest homeless shelter in all of San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> Randy crashed a shelter and thought it was a med check. There you go. <laughs> well, yeah, they did. They did have meds. I guess that so. would that would qualify as the ugly. Uh, I said, well, you know what that did do is that made me get a flu shot. The following year, and I've gotten a flu shot every year since, and knock on wood, I have never had the flu since then. Now, that doesn't mean I won't get it, but I was getting sick every year at GDC. That was just the worst. Well, you are amongst 30,000 of your closest friends, so <laughs> right. one of them has to have a, a, little, a little illness to share somewhere, right? Yeah. So, what have we learned today? We've learned the good, bad, and ugly. We've learned it's important to network face-to-face. It's important to understand the industries that you're working in, not only just your part, but how the entire industry works. And that's very advantageous. And finally, if you're going to go, get a flu flu shot. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So our time here has come to its end. As we do, Randall. BT. Until next time. (laughs) Until next time. Ciao. Adios. See ya. Okay, well, this show's been a little different, but uh, it's over. Let's Talk VoiceOver is hosted by Randy Ryan, owner of Hamsterball Studios. Music, sound, and voice. And me, Brian Talbot, voiceover guy and all-around creative type. 
If you have something to say, send us an email at bt at letstalkvoiceover.com. That's bt at letstalkvoiceover.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook. We're starting to post some stuff, so why not? And if you'd like, go ahead and subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher so you don't miss an episode. If you really want to be nice, go ahead and like us. Give us a good rating. Give us a review. You know, or not. We really don't care. We're just doing this for fun. So that's the end of this one, the GDC episode. A little different, a little bizarre. And until next time, thanks for listening to Let's Talk VoiceOver. Let's Talk VoiceOver.